Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Tuesday, everybody. It is GC Live Talking Tuesday Nights. It is a Halloween edition, and you yep. got Rudy Rudiker over there. And yeah. Joe. Right. Joe is Rudy this week. Clemson taking on Notre Dame, and that's why you told me. You said you're the biggest Notre Dame fan this week. Yeah, yeah, Mike. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween to all those watching. And yes, this week I am the world's biggest Notre Dame fan. Um, Notre Dame goes to Death Valley for obvious reasons. Had to throw on um, the Notre Dame digs tonight, so happy to be here as always, Mike. All right. Well, Rudy was happy to be out there as well. But yeah. certainly it's hard not to pay attention to what's going on in the upstate. And as this final month of the regular season comes to an end over these next couple of weeks, it makes their record even more interesting because perhaps, perhaps we could see two five and six teams playing for a chance to make it to a bowl game. Having said all that for USC, number one, who cares right now what's going on in the upstate number two, who cares about the bowl eligibility, all that kind of stuff. Cause as far as I'm concerned, all that matters this week is just getting a freaking win, getting a freaking win. Now, again, 
we've talked about some of these games over the course of the season that, okay, you should win this. You do should do that. This is a good Jacksonville state team. South Carolina should win, but again, you shouldn't take this team for granted. I mean, this is a team Beamer mentioned it today at the press conference. They have a lot of the players that are back on this year's team on this Jacksonville state team that were on the team back in 2021 when the Gamecocks of Florida, right, the Jacksonville State Gamecocks, when they pulled off the upset of Florida State. So I say that because they're not going to come into Williams-Brice looking at it as, wow, I mean, look at the big stage. No, no, no. They're going to be coming in here expecting to win. And they, they truly believe they can do it. Uh, I certainly still believe that South Carolina should win this game by two scores, though. And we'll get into a little bit more of that in just a bit. But as we do every week, Intern Joe, I'll let you lead things off. I know you were in there with me today. Just your biggest takeaway from what either Shane Beamer had to say today or what some of the players had to say. Yeah, obviously, again, through this rough stretch, um, you know, it's it's tough to get things, you know, going in the right direction and have morale stay on the same plane. But, again, I mean, I said it last week. I it did not feel like they, they were a 2-6 and six team. I think morale is at a good spot. And, you know, they keep talking about the good weeks of practice. And Shane mentioned, you know, today he was like, you know, we're trying to get that to translate because they have good weeks of practice. And, Travis, thank you for tuning in. Um, but, I mean, my biggest takeaway was that they're not out of it yet. And they have good, really good leaders in place to kind of keep this team afloat, if you will. You know, they're still playing for something. They got to win the last four. And the last one being against your rival, Clemson, to make bowl, bowl eligibility. Sorry, I'm saying a lot there. But, um, no, I mean, I, they're not dead yet, and you can tell. Um, and as long as the defense picks it up, defense knows that they have to. I think, you know, they know that they can win all four of these games, Mike. Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway today was you can sense the fire, whether it be from Shane Beamer today, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, I think you're going to confuse some people, Joe. You might have to take the helmet off. Yeah, I know, honestly. Um, intern Joe's in Halloween gear as yes. Notre Dame prepares to play Clemson this weekend. Clemson this weekend he's yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Bird to fly says intern Joe looks like he's created the yeah. uh, push in oh, 1964. Yeah. Right up the middle. Give it to the fullback. But I think just the, the fire with Beamer today. Now, I, I want to play a comment. It's the question that I asked. Now I want to play the full thing. Beamer was fired up today, and the reason why Beamer was fired up, and it was evident, was he took offense to some things that were said today about one of his players. And, I mean, if you're on social media, you know exactly what I'm talking about, and that's the uh, carry-on joiner's comments about finding joy, which was not directed at the fan base. It was directed at his teammates. And I want to play the full clip because – Unfortunately for DeCarrion, being in a situation like this, South Carolina being two and six, you have four games to go. Unfortunately, because he's been here for as long as he has, he's experienced this before. And what I continue to remind people, and I just wrote a story about this a little while ago in Gamecock Central, if you want to see a deeper look at what I'm about to say. What people forget often with this team Okay. Yes, from a historical standpoint, South Carolina has had more down years than positive years in the 100 plus year history of of their program. 
But what a lot of people are forgetting to remember is that when you look at this team and the makeup of it, whether it be the freshman year, uh, class, sophomore class, or even juniors, and then you can have your red shirts in between there, right? But people that have been part of this program for three years or less, three years or less, they're not used to not winning at least seven games. Think about that. The majority of this roster, at least during their time at South Carolina, they're used to at least winning seven games, at least. Now, it's a small sample size. It's only two years, right? You look back to last year and the previous year. But the reason I'm saying that is when we're talking about the foundation of this program and the importance of this season, not just from a wins-loss standpoint, but in terms of just the mentality, when you're talking about the foundation, everyone wants to talk about the word culture. The culture is created with the found, through the foundation. And right now, this program, for, again, about 60%, I think it's just a hair under that, 60% of this roster, they're not used to seeing anything less than seven wins in regular season. So this is their first taste of adversity, at least this Gamecocks. So hearing Joyner talk about battling through, and a phrase that I always use, I actually used it in the story, I think back to when I was in college, and it's just something that stood out to me today when I was writing this story, and I wrote it down there. I think I tweeted it out too. Joyner is really harping on the part of embracing the suck in something that you have to teach your underclassmen. Because, again... A lot of these guys, they're not used to dealing with adversity as far as a win-loss standpoint at South Carolina. So I want to play what Joyner had to say. It's not that long, but I also want to play what I asked because I think people hear the find some joy and they think back to what Shane Beamer said a couple of years ago. That's not what this was. It was directed at his teammates. Take a listen, though, when I pull this up. This is to carry on Joyner earlier today. Karen, I asked some of the guys last week, but you know, unfortunately, you, you dealt with some low moments here at South Carolina when you first arrived. You know, what's the biggest message you tell these younger guys, knowing that how you guys finish this season could play a big role in terms of what happens moving forward with this program? Oh yeah, um, as a team, we still got a lot ahead of us. Uh, we still got um, four games uh, that we can definitely go win. Um, it just kind of flipped the script kind of for this year. Um, but I told the guys this morning, I'm like, man, despite our record, find some joy. You know what I'm saying? Because we got four games left together. Um, I told the scene, I'm like, man, this we got four guaranteed games left. Um, we got three more Tuesday practices after today. Uh, some time is coming to an end. Find some joy, man. Enjoy every single moment. Take advantage of every single moment. And just kind of enjoy being with each other. All right. So I'm trying to figure out what way I want to go with this. So we might go on a little rant today. It's been a while since I had a good rant on here. I think it's about time, especially when you're two and six. I don't care if you've played youth sports, high school sports, whatever. If you've been part of a team, you understand that you're going to have to deal with some type of adversity. And the answer that DK just gave there is exactly what you are hoping your leader says. He's one of the leaders on this team. Never mind the fact of what I just said. The fact that when you look at the makeup of this team from a percentage standpoint, the majority of this team, nearly 60% when you're talking about the underclassmen, never mind the transfers, 
like Trey Knox, but nearly 60% of the players who have been here over the last three years, whether they're freshmen, sophomores, or juniors, they're used to winning. Again, the freshmen, they don't know anything. You know, they don't know any better. They're new here. But they haven't seen a Gamecock team, at least been part of a Gamecock team, that hasn't won at least seven games. So you have to carry on joining to go up there, right? What the hell do you want him to say? Do you want him to say, man, this season stinks? Man, we're, we're doing really bad. I wish I was getting the ball more. I mean, he could easily feel sorry for himself and throw in the towel. But that's not what he's going to do. And I think everyone that's been following this program and following to carry on Joyner, they know what this young man's all about. And the reason why I'm harping on this so much, the reason I'm bringing this up, is it because of the stuff that took place on social media, which eventually bled in. Let's call it for what it is. It bled in into the, today's press conference. And you could feel it. You could sense it when Shane Beamer talked to the media. The reason I'm bringing it up is because this is so freaking critical, not just for this four-game stretch right here coming up for the Gamecocks, but it's critical as far as what do you do when things don't go your way, right? I mean, there's a lot of people listening here right now. And I think a lot of you understand. (laughs) I mean, shoot, some of you guys are older than me. Some of you are younger than me. Maybe you're right out of college. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're in college. At some point, things aren't going to go your way. How are you going to respond to it? I'll tell you what, life's not about just going on social media or going on a message board and just, you know, yapping or, you know, a player looking at something on social media and saying, man, I'm just going to accept that. No. And the way that DK has responded with, with that today, that's exactly the mentality that you need in this program over these next couple of weeks. So I say that again, Joe. The reason why I bring yep. that up, it is so critical. Again, those numbers that I mentioned, nearly 60% of this team, they're not used to seeing South Carolina football not win at least seven games. They're at least being part of it. And for these freshmen, they're still trying to figure out what college football is all about. So as you mentioned, yeah, there's still a possibility of them making a bowl game. They're going to have to do some amazing things this, this month of November coming up. But to me, more than anything, it's that DK's going in there like, hey, (laughs) look, you guys got to enjoy this. You have to. Because if you don't, hey, that's on you because one day this game's going to be taken from you. He's been fortunate enough to do it for as long as he has at the college level. But he knows his time's coming to an end. Someone that has put everything, everything into it. That's why he he spoke from the heart this morning when he addressed the team uh, before practice. And then again, because of some things that took place on social media, it bled in to the media session itself. And you could tell, you know, Shane was going to go out there and defend his players, and rightfully so. Yeah, absolutely. Mike, I mean, you just summed it up pretty well. And there's there was Trey Knox last week just talking about going out there and having fun, remembering why they are playing football. So going back to my earlier point, right, about, you know, how, the, how South Carolina is in an advantageous position to have all these leaders in the locker room to, one, not only just go out there, like the possibility of the bowl game, sure, but what you're doing is you're setting up the next generation of stars for South Carolina to have future success, right? You are, you are letting the guys like Nick Harbour and Spencer Rattler that moment on Saturday where, you know, Harbour had the early drop, Rattler came over to him, consoled him, 
and he was right back to business. Um, I think that sets up a lot of things and should excite a lot of South Carolina fans that, like, despite the struggles, the guys and the veterans that you brought in to bring in this next generation of player for you are stepping up. The leaders on and off the field, and they're teaching these guys how to be men, how to be leaders, and also how to play football pretty well because the freshmen are doing really, really, really well. Jalon Kilgore especially, top 10 in the SEC in tackles is a true freshman. We've heard that before. Um, so it, I mean, it really, really helps to have these leaders in the locker room, Mike. It really does because that next generation and the guys that you want that you recruited because they're, they, you know, line up with your culture. They're your type of, of player. You want them to be coached in the same light, in the same direction as, you know, say a Spencer Rattler, Trey Knox to carry on joiner. Well, it's just understanding too the expectations of the program. Right. And I know for some people here, they don't want to think about next year. They don't want to think about two years from now. They don't want to think about three years from now. They just want to focus on the present. And I get that. And it's not to say that we're dismissing the rest of this year, because we certainly aren't. But the importance of what DK was saying today, the importance, the message he delivered to his team before practice today is so critical when we're talking about what this team potentially looks like a year from now, two years from now. Right. Things just don't happen overnight. There's going to be some type of adversity that this team was going to get hit with at some point during the Shane Beamer era. Right. Every program deals with some type of adversity. And when you look at from a historical standpoint of what South Carolina has been able to achieve in the 100 plus year history. If you were a gambling man, you knew at some point it was probably going to happen sooner rather than later for South Carolina. That adversity was going to strike them. So, again, I bring these things up because. I think I think that we have to understand that how things go the rest of the way and how they respond, it's not just something that we'll talk about when we look back and talk about the 2023 Gamecock football team. We're also going to look at it as, man, the way this team responded, the way some of these younger guys stepped up, that's going to be something we're going to talk about moving forward. Now, having said all that, and we'll move past this, I got one more thing that I do want to share. Everyone has the right to post whatever the heck they want in any platform, whether it be on social media, whether it be on a message board, whether it be radio, TV, whatever. Okay. But I also think you're naive if you don't believe, especially when it comes to players and even coaches, that it doesn't get back to them because it does. It does. Certainly, we've talked about it before. You're dealing with 18, 19, 20-something-year-old kids. Everyone has one of these bad boys. So they know what's being said. They know what's being said about them. They know what's being tweeted about them or asked about them, whatever you want to call it. Certainly, you can put an emphasis on blocking out the outside noise, but they know what's going on. And as we've mentioned before, they might not see it directly, but mom, dad, a brother, a sister, a cousin, a friend, whatever, someone's relaying it back to a couple players or even the guys on the coaching staff. So I bring these things up because, look, it's real easy when the man's on the on the ground, right? When you kick a man on the ground, he's already on the ground, right? It's real easy when they're two and six. Uh, this team's trying to pick themselves up. And anything they say right now, whether it be – trying to stay positive or whatever the case may be, right? Find some joy. It's real easy to look at that and laugh for some, for some. 
but certainly this team is doing exactly what they need to do, which is they're coming together. They're trying to block out the outside noise and they're trying to rally around some of this. So I, I don't know. I mean, when we look back at the end of this season, hopefully we can point back to a moment like today as to South Carolina coming together. And again, it's not, not trying to make things bigger than they are, but I can certainly tell you that it did strike a nerve inside that building today. And it's not just from what DK tweeted out. Um, it struck a nerve. It struck a nerve. And this this team is closer today because of it. I can tell you that. We'll certainly see if it makes an impact on the field as far as what happens this Saturday against Jacksonville State. Having said all that, having said all that, Joe, we mentioned this on the post-game show the other night. So the other day it was an afternoon game, and this one will be an afternoon game as well. And next week's game will be an afternoon game too against Vanderbilt. But from when we look at the issues with South Carolina, the two things that stand out to me the most right now, number one, not playing complimentary football. Not playing complimentary football, right? There's been plenty of times where we've seen, especially over the last month, where South Carolina's offense is playing well, and the defense just goes in hibernation mode. And then there's been times where, like this past week, the defense did some good things. And then what happened? Well, the offense struggled. Or special teams did a poor job of being able to flip the field, whether it be because of some punts or whether it be because of some penalties or not being able to down, down a ball inside the five-yard line. That, to me, is more frustrating than anything else we've seen with this team this year is because we've seen at times either the offense, either the defense, even the special teams, not as much in comparison to last year, do some good things, but they're not consistent enough when you need them to, right? You look back to the Florida game a couple weeks ago, South Carolina's offense, arguably their best game all season. If you put the Furman one to the side, no disrespect to them, but you know, looking at it from a, conference standpoint that was your best performance all year and then the defense wasn't able to do enough for you you had some miscues on special teams when you're not being able to play complimentary football you're not going to be able to win too many games and I think that's one of the reasons why as we sit here heading into November tomorrow that's why the Gamecocks are two and six yeah no they've got a lot of work left to be done um and majority of it, or I guess half of it technically is in the SEC. I mean, and Vandy's no joke. They've got, I mean, Clark Lee's been turning that program around ever so slowly as much as he can do um, at Vanderbilt, but Kentucky's your biggest test. Um, I think next to Clemson, you got to beat both of them in consecutive weeks. So you have a chance to, you know, rattle off two pretty good wins and back-to-back weeks like you did last season. But again, you know, Kentucky's a legit SEC team. I mean, they've been playing teams closely, haven't really looked back into their record as much, but they're not – I wouldn't say they're as good as Georgia because they got doored by Georgia earlier in the year. But, I mean, they're still on the Mizzou level of teams that can beat you for sure. Um, so a lot of work left to be done defensively. I mean, Blanton talked about it a little bit. Just kind of eye discipline, right? They need to stay disciplined, the three-three-five. A little bit with John Willis, Jerron Willis, um, as well. So I mean, they're switching things up, and Debo Williams talked about it too a little bit that they just need to execute schematically. Um, and so I, I mean, the questions about Clayton White 
are, are you know, coming to play there too, you know, whether or not he'll lose his job or not. Um, it it kind of just depends on these next four weeks. My personal opinion, I mean, I think, yeah, like there will be a change at the end of the year, but I mean, that's, that's a couple of weeks from now where there's still a lot of time for things to kind of turn around. No, I agree. Uh, look, I mentioned just the lack of being able to play consistency. Lack of being able to play consistency. But there's also been so many issues, and I'm trying to see if this is what John Mills is talking about. Bruh. Well, I'm not your bra, John. Bruh, some of y'all give zero credence to the injuries. Just calling for the coach's head. Yeah, you got the wrong show there, buddy. Got the wrong show there, Johnny boy. Uh, yeah, I wasn't calling for Clayton's head by any means. I mean, no, um, but I will. But I will say this: Look, explain it all. No, um, wrong show. Took a took a turn somewhere. Uh, the wrong turn. Wrong exit. Uh, I think too when we look at this team, right? Talking about, I'll, I'll play off of what John was talking about a little bit with injuries. We've yeah. mentioned that before. We mentioned it before. We knew going into the season. I don't want to be broken record because how many times have we said this? We said this on the post game show the other night. We knew going into this year that South Carolina was going to be very thin at multiple positions, either thin in terms of bodies or thin in terms of lack of proven talent. And unfortunately, injuries have plagued this team. It's really plagued this team on the offensive line. Uh, It's plagued them at other positions, but especially in the offensive line. I bring these things up because as we sit here and talk about the lack of complimentary football. And I bring this back to the special teams, trying to make sense of it a little bit. And we've talked about this before, Joe, it has a trickle down effect on every phase of the game. When you're as young as you are at certain positions, whether it be linebacker, whether it be uh, even in the secondary, right. And we could talk about the offensive line, but I'm talking specifically about the linebacking group and uh, defensive back core. You're also seeing so many younger players play on special teams this year in comparison to what we've seen over the last two years. That doesn't mean there's not veteran players, right? I don't want you guys to get that misconstrued because certainly we know, unfortunately, Mo Kaba got hurt on special teams. And this is a team that likes to use their star players and veterans on special teams. So I bring that up because while I sit here today and I'm saying, man, the fact that they haven't been able to play complimentary football, and I'm specifically looking at the special teams unit now. One of the reasons why is because of those injuries, because you're so young, because they've been trying to move so many pieces around to just make things work at certain spots, offense, defense. And because of that, it has a trickle down effect on special teams. Having said all that, having said all that, Joe, I I do feel like we've seen them make, improvements in certain areas but going back to what i've talked about before they're not playing complimentary football when one phase is playing well the other phase is just it's just not there for whatever reason so we look at this jacksonville state game more than anything you look at it from an offensive standpoint right let's start with the offense assuming that vershawn lee is good to go this weekend assuming that he's back you feel better about the right tackle position, assuming that he'd be at right tackle to keep everything the way that it's been over the last couple of weeks. 
and certainly you won't be going up against the same type of pass rush that you dealt with last week against Texas A&M or the pass rush that you dealt with against Tennessee, two of the better pass rush defenses in the country. But you need to find something this weekend. You need to find something. Because, again, this is not a, a, a layup game. You should be able to win, but it's not a layup. Offensively, what do you want to see from this team this weekend, knowing that, again, this is a game that could be the springboard of trying to find that momentum? You got to run the ball consistently, right? I think Mario Anderson needs to be your bell cow back, but you also got to get DK involved. You got to show a lot on film to, you know, have some of these teams have Vanderbilt, Kentucky, and Clemson have more looks to prepare for. You need to execute in all phases offensively, running the ball, and it, and it starts with running the ball, right? We know how dynamic Spencer is. We know how dynamic Xavier Leggett, um, Amarian Brown probably out. I don't know. A lot of guys are questionable. questionable. But, I mean, Nick yep. Harbour as well, yeah. So um, you need him to prepare for a lot of looks. So execute in all phases, right, offensively. But then again, like I said, starts with running the ball. You need to get your offensive line, get some momentum with them going, get some things clicking because offensive line is very streaky. We've seen that, right, especially earlier in this year for South Carolina. They had a couple of good games they strung together and then had a couple bad ones. Um, so, I mean, run the dang football. It's as simple as that. Yeah, talking about rushing the football and running, you look at what South Carolina has been able to do and Mario Anderson right now. Uh, just under 500 yards, and certainly his production over the last couple weeks has been has been incredible uh, because he's doing good things, not just in terms of running the football. We're, we're also seeing him get incorporated in the passing game as a receiver. He's done some nice things as well when you're talking about pass protection. That continues to be something that he's improving on. So, look – and I agree with you. If you're not able to run the football, and we've talked about this before in this program, I mean, ad, ad nauseum. If you're not able to run the football, you become one-dimensional. And unfortunately for South Carolina, last game against a very good, a very good Texas A&M front, not being able to run the football, it just made their lives a heck of a lot easier. Again, four sacks by the Aggies. They also added, I think they had 10 tackles for a loss. And they were also able to force three intentional groundings on Spencer Rattler. So I bring these things up because, yeah, Joe, they need to be able to run the football. They need to be able to run the football if they want to be able to have success this weekend against Jacksonville State. Um, having said all that, want to turn our attention to wide receiver for a second. It was a blessing to see Nick Harbour come on the way that he did the other day. Heading into the Texas A&M game, only had four receptions all season. He's up to 10 now after having a six-reception game. Did some really nice things, really nice things after that first drop. With Xavier Leggett being one of those players that you mentioned is questionable because there's a long list. When I say long list of players that are questionable, the way that Shane Beamer worded it today, Joe, as you know, it was – all right, Trey Jones, he's going to be out. And then everyone else that's banged up, they're questionable. So even if Xavier is back out there this weekend, what do you get from him? Uh, how, how much, right? We talk about percentage, right? Is he going to be able to give you at least 80% of the Xavier will get that we know him to be? 
Is he going to be closer to 100? If he's not, if he's not, and as far as from a talking standpoint and just having a conversation here, let's just assume that he's not going to be towards that 80% mark. And if he is, that's phenomenal. Who else needs to step up this weekend? You mentioned we don't know what's going to be the case with A.B. He's been banged up. Eddie, Eddie Lewis, I mean, we, we haven't really seen too much of him from an offensive standpoint this year. And that's yeah. been very surprising. It has been. But, I mean, if you're talking about guys that need to step up, and especially in a game like this, if he wants to see some more action down the stretch, this week wouldn't be a bad week to do it. No. Uh, you you look at it, take out Xavier Leggett. Trey Knox has really become more involved with the offense as far as a – receiver i truly feel like there's been two reasons why that's been the case i think one first and foremost is just the fact that usc not having the consistency especially the beginning of the year but they still face it at times but more so the beginning of the year not having the consistency from a blocking standpoint i think it led to usc needing to call some more two tight end sets or having a tight end stay back to help out with blocking and that eliminated opportunities for Trey to be able to get as involved in the passing game. So I think that's number one. And I think number two, as we've seen throughout the course of the year, he still has a wrap over that knee that he banged up during preseason camp. So you wonder how much of that is he still battling, right? I mean, at this point of the year, everyone's dealing with some type of injury, right? You're, you're banged up at this point of the year. Even if even the fact that South Carolina had a bye week a couple weeks ago, you'll wonder though that knee, which again got banged up before the start of the season, pushed through it, was probably doing a little bit more than he should have early on, and that's not a shot at anyone in South Carolina's building, but that's a player's choice, right? You got to deal with the pain. You got to figure out, okay, how much pain am I going to play through? You wonder how healthy he really has been right if you had to put a percentage on it talking about percentages i don't know where i'd put trey knox i mean i'm i feel like he's healthier now than he was at the beginning of the year but i'd probably say trey was probably close to like 65 if you know around that ballpark at the beginning of the year and i think he's getting closer to that 80 percentage mark if we wanted to put a number on it yeah absolutely watch out for trey knox and i mean they've been throwing the tight ends a little bit more too recently Dowell has been or it's been more of their primary looks on offense so watch out for that uh Mike we got a couple of comments if you want to hit those real quick yeah um, let's so do it sweet we got big red first could we get some of our injured players back if we can win out and get a bowl game I mean hypothetically speaking yeah of course you know if yeah. South Carolina is fortunate enough to win these next four games which again as Shane Beamer mentioned today you got to look at it as, as a one game at a time. And I know that sounds very coach talk, but it's just like anything in life, right? I mean, think about if you have like a list of chores to do, I'm really bad at this, really bad at this. You have X amount of uh, things that you got to get done. If you just look at everything all at once, it can become overwhelming. You got to just take care of one thing at a time. And that's what they're trying to do. Having said all that though, to answer your question, big red. Yes, I do. Because just like anything in life, the more time that you have, you're able to be able, you're able to get healthy, healthier, right? You know, depending on what the injury is and whatever South Carolina is facing. I mean, shoot, Jalen Nichols, 
I mean, we haven't even seen them this year, right? And there were talks, at least, at the, going back to, I'd say, the beginning of camp and then during some of the coaches' tours that they did during the spring, after the spring game, that once we got into November, we could potentially see Nichols come back from that injury. Now, obviously, nothing was in stone. The reason I'm bringing that up, though, is you wonder, number one, the fact that it hasn't even been brought up. Maybe that's something we bring up next week at the press conference. But where is Jalen as far as his status? Is he getting closer, right? And if he's not, if he's not, does it make sense of playing him this year at this point, right? So these are things, too, that you got to ask yourself. Is it worth playing someone, or do you redshirt them, right, from a medical redshirt standpoint? Um, Juice Wells, you know, we heard things from Shane Beamer today saying that he continues to be part of the program as far as going to team meetings. He's active, acting questions. He's out there on the field working on his own. He's also in the training room working on his own. If we don't see Juice for the rest of the regular season, could we see him in a bowl game? But again, and certainly they need to be able to get there first, Joe. But I would assume, and I would say this with any team, unless you have some season-ending injuries, that, yeah. yeah, I think we could see some of those guys out there for a bowl game. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. The guys that are coming back, especially. Like, I, I remember last year's bowl game, we were kind of watching out to see who could, you know, break out and have a potential year in the secondary for South Carolina. And a lot of guys who did break out in the bowl game are playing and starting now. Um Going to Big Red again, is it safe to say that Mario Anderson is our starting running back for the duration of the season? I'd say so, yeah. He's becoming the bell cow back. I think at this point, you really – I mean, you need DK for a number of reasons on and off the field from a leadership percentage. But you have the ability to throw DK in there to, you know, make the defense honor some extra looks. And also, I mean, same thing with Juju. Um, so you have two other options and three-headed monster, if you will. But Anderson is primarily the bell cow back, I would I would say, Mike. Yeah, you look at the breakdown of how many carries, and I'll zoom in just so it's a little bit easier for people to see. You look at the number of carries in the running back room, uh, certainly with what Mario was asked to do at the beginning of the season, his lack of touches, it's it's grown, right? It's grown a lot this year. So I say that because – you know, you look at the makeup of it, Spencer, you know, a lot of those are unfortunately sacks or just running for his life. But, um, you know, look, DK has done a, a lot of good things in the red zone this year. A lot of good things in the red zone. It feels like he's that guy, if you were playing like fantasy football, he's that guy that, man, it's like DK's in there. You're feeling good. You're feeling good when he's in the red zone. And we saw an extra wrinkle this past weekend. I mean, we, we joke about it. But how many times in these comments that if we've read, we've read over the last couple of weeks, last couple of months, you know, when are they going to throw DK out there and give some type of wildcat look? Well, I'm not saying uh, Dal Loggins is paying attention to what's being said on GC Live Talking Tuesdays by any means, but he answered he answered your question. He threw him out there, and it's an extra wrinkle, and it's something that teams are going to have to pay extra close attention to. Not saying that they weren't worrying about that before, but now it's on tape this season. So I think, look. Mario continues to gain confidence, and I think that is that is what has led him to be the guy that South Carolina has needed him to be, right? Like being the number one guy is that he's become more and more confident. 
And when you look at the makeup of the running back room, right? You look at Mario, you look at DK, you look at Juju. DJ Braswell, he's at this point, you're going to redshirt him, right? There could be an opportunity for him to play in some of these games. And a game against Jacksonville State, and I think it was Hunter Kelly. Hunter Kelly said, I'm sorry, I can't take Jacksonville seriously. Again, it's not that I'm looking at this as, oh, my goodness, like South Carolina, they got to be really careful. They might lose this game. I think it's just the fact that, number one, with the way that South Carolina has looked at times this year, nothing makes me feel like anything is a layup for this team. But on top of that, too, you're playing against a very good team who's 7-2, and two, who a couple of years ago they beat Florida State. Like They understand what it takes to be able to pull off an upset on the road. I think, to me, that's what makes me say, all right, hey, like you can't sleep on this team. Um, but having said all that, um, I truly believe I truly believe that um, that South Carolina will be able to get that lead that they need early on, and they're going to be able to hopefully get some of these younger guys out there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would firmly agree. Um, another one from Hunter. Um, what's happening with Landon Sampson? Still nothing. Still, still no update as far as why we haven't seen him go in there as much. Um, you know, it's, it's disappointing because the last thing that I was really told heading into the season, the biggest thing that he needed to do was just continue to stack good days on top of good days. It's, it's, it's been disappointing not seeing him out there. Um, I'm not going to go as far as to say that, you know, oh, you know, Landon won't be back here next year. I think that's extremely premature. I think that's extremely premature, but Certainly, you look at what he was able to do coming out of high school, and there was a lot of high expectations for this young man, and it just hasn't happened yet. And, um, you know, we're going to have to wait and see what his role will be moving forward. I'm not just talking about the rest of this year, but I'm talking moving forward with the program. David asks, does Juice come back with a medical red shirt or say bye? I mean, Juice come back with a medical redshirt. I still, again, I still think there's a chance of Juice coming back, and I've talked about this before. I've talked about this before that with the era of NIL, you can't, you can't dismiss anything. And as I've said before, and I think my colleague Chris Clark actually wrote about this just last week. There's been conversations about Juice coming back next year that have took place. I've said that going back now, what, maybe over a month ago, uh, and Chris Clark just came out this past week and said that. So I'm not shutting the door on anything quite yet, and I think there's a possibility of him coming back. Um, John said, I was talking about the fans and the guy who said the DK nonsense. I was not talking about Clayton. Why are you so sensitive? Sheesh. Johnny, I will give you this, Johnny. I'll give you the treat. It's Halloween. I'll give you a treat. That was my bad. Okay. Hands up on us. However, however, be a little bit more direct with your comments. Because sometimes we go back, we're reading things. We don't know when they're being said. Happens and we get quick, back to John. Them. Happens quick. Happens quick. Context sometimes. So again, I'll throw my hand up. Accountability on us. On us, Johnny. Uh Tommy. Tommy Lucas. Says, ditto on Landon Sampson. Where is that dude? I haven't been able to see him quite yet. Travis says, Juice has a regular red shirt he can use. That is true. That is true. 
Uh, Hunter Kelly says, any chance Spencer will come back for a upset chance on Bama next year? I, I said this to someone the other day. I said, if I had to put a percent on it, I would put it at like, I don't know, 5% that he comes back and I'm just throwing out a BS number, honestly. Um, it is a very stacked quarterback class this year for the NFL draft. They're actually calling it perhaps one of the deepest they've had in quite some time. I still think he will go. And the reason I'm even entertaining this question, Hunter, is because I know some people are going to be rolling their eyes. I didn't think there was any shot that he was going to come back last year. I really didn't. Um, But you throw in the fact that he's making a lot, a lot of money from an NIL standpoint, a lot. That, with the fact, too, knowing that the quarterback draft class won't be as deep next year in comparison to this upcoming one, plus get an opportunity to play Oklahoma, too. Can't forget that. Um, I think there, I think there are some things that you look at. And again, this would be, I think it's very, 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 very slim, but I'm not going to ever say never again, just because we live in this world, this era now with NIL. And I just can't, I, I think you can't dismiss anything because I think, We've seen, and not just football, but in other sports too, some players are looking at saying, hey, you know what? Why not? Why not? I still don't I still don't see it happening, though. But, you know, yeah, yeah just trying to throw at everything just for the sake of conversation. I don't know. I, unless Spencer has some kind of side quest he needs done, I, I, don't, I don't foresee him coming back. Um, and he's been working his way up the draft board still even. Um, but if he can continue to, you know, play even remotely close to the way he's been playing all year, I would assume he will end up in, I mean, day first, first round is, uh, it's a little high, but I mean, second, third, fourth round, I mean, I could see him fitting in pretty easy. Defensively. Now let's hop to the defense, Joe talked about the offense. Let's go to the defense. Defensively. I liked what they did. To start the game, mix things up to a to a three three five. Beamer talked about it Sunday night during the teleconference. I don't think he really got into it today, but on Sunday, what he said was it was to give them a different look from a defensive standpoint to create some hopefully some mismatches, which they did, and to be able to use more speed out there. Now, having said all that. They had three sacks in the first 11 plays of the game against AM. And it's not to make excuses for the defense because at the end of the day, you got to make stops. doesn't matter where you are on the field. That's what you, I don't, I don't say get paid to do. This guy's not everyone's getting paid really to do it. But this is what, this is why you came to South Carolina. This is why the majority of those guys that are on the field have scholarships. Not having great field position from a defensive standpoint. It didn't help the defense. It didn't do them any favors, right? Two two rough punts. On top of that, you have the kick-catch interference that put the Aggies in plus territory to start that drive. I felt like after that, on top of the fact that A&M just made some adjustments to what they were seeing from the 3-3-5 look, which this week, look, if you try to run the 3-3-5, there's tape out there now. That's not to say that Jacksonville State will be able to stop it. 
But there's tape out there now of your team doing that. I like them changing things up a little bit last week. I felt like the issue to me defensively, and Beamer talked about it, and Stone Blanton talked about it today, but to me, it goes back to something that Tim Tebow was talking about this past weekend before the game, which is you can just sense that they're struggling, whether it be communication when it comes to uh, guys motioning and not knowing the assignment once a motion happens. Because if you have, you know, twins right and there is a just a, you know, single wide receiver on the on the back side of that and the guy motions and now the twins is reversed, it's gone from right to left, right? It changes things up in the secondary. It changes things up. And if you're not making the proper calls, and it's not just in the secondary, sometimes it's what the defensive lineman has to do, depending on what side's the strong side, what side's the weak side. And Shane talked about that as well. So I, I still think the majority of South Carolina's problems are, from a defensive standpoint, number one, lack of execution. Felt like they did a better job of it this weekend. Still can clean a lot of up, though. Uh, and number two, just not being on the same page pre-snap. I think those two things are really holding back this defense from getting over the hump on what has been a very, very challenging and disappointing season from a defensive standpoint. Yeah, I think it's eye discipline and just regular discipline um, in terms of just staying with your guy, doing your job 100% of the time. Sometimes you get beat and that happens, but the communication needs to be next level when a guy um, – you know, loses coverage or gets beat. Um, and I think that's where South Carolina is really struggling is when they get beat, how do they cover it up? And how do you, how do you, you know, cause you you have that right. Like in, in schematics, you've got, you know, guys to help out over if somebody gets beat. So I think it's just a matter of communication and, and the little things, right. The little things is huge for this defense. They can start to get a couple bounces, maybe a couple turnovers to help with momentum, and then do the little things right, I think they can put together a pretty good game. And like, you know, Debo was saying earlier, you know, it's just trust the schematics of it. Do your job and, and we'll be we'll be in the right place. But it's it's just a matter of everyone doing their job on every play. And it's hard because this defense isn't easy. Like Mike said, you know, it's it's very deep and and, and thick in terms of concepts. And so when you have a lot of guys rotating in and out, it gets tough to pick up everything and all the checks. And at this point in the season, I mean, you're che- you could be checking in. And they've your- tried to simplify things. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. And it's yeah. not – it's not – because the problem is – Again, there's some people that will listen to that and they'll want a direct answer as to why things aren't working. I'm trying to give you the reason why. But to some, it's not going to be enough for them. It's not going to be enough for them. So some will be like, well, if they're simplifying it and they're not doing it the way that they need to, do we not have the right players? And I would argue, well, a year ago, you had some of these same players on defense and you were doing some pretty good things. I'm not saying everything was perfect on defense last year. But, you know, you had two freshmen playing in the secondary who were all Americans. And, you know, certain things happened last year that why aren't they happening this year for certain players? You know what I mean? So that's what I would say to that. Um, Joe, it's gonna, let's hit some ad reads now if we can. Yeah, I do want to bring that. this up real quick. Ashley says, and I agree, and I'll bring a couple of these comments up before you do that. Ashley says, I think Spencer is just ready to start his professional career no matter what our record is. We could be 0-8, could be 8-0. and And then Lynn says, even though the QB draft class might be deep, I think Spencer stacks up well against the other ones. Uh, let's hit the ad reads because I don't disagree with them. 
again, just more so for the sake of conversation. Certainly, certainly, uh, Rattler has the opportunity to come back if he wants it, but don't hold your breath. What you got for us, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. Mike, first off, our good friends over at Liberty Tax, you guys know them well. Tax anxiety is an uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax in Irma, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time if you're in a hurry for your refund. Call on the tax team at Liberty Tax. They are fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to the Liberty Tax team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated, staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood. Open 99 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in. Give a call to upload your tax documents. And when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Give them a call on your screen right now, 803-462-5576. Once again, 803-462-5576 for all of your tax needs. Today's show is also brought to you by our friend, Annie Ludica. Are you ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream? Looking for a side hustle while working your current job? Wanting to diversify, build wealth, build wealth and or leave a legacy? Andy can help you. Andy is a franchise consultant as well as a franchise owner and helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit, and more. His services are 100% free, and he's here to help if you have any questions about business ownership. Today's program is also brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond. He's been a longtime supporter of not just Gamecock Central, but these GC Live shows that you tune into each and every week. If you're trying to buy a home right now, you know that finding the lowest interest rate is not that easy, but Clint and his team do a phenomenal job of finding that interest rate that might be best for you as you try to buy that home or condo or whatever you're looking for from a property standpoint the same way that he did when it came to time for west mitchell and former gamecock quarterback perry orth both of them they both had homes to buy and then you know who they called they called clint and his team was able to help them both out give Clint a call at 803-771-6933 all right joe let's look ahead to this weekend as far as what you expect from this team. You have the 2010 to 2013 teams back in the building. They're going to be honored. How much juice does that really give this team? Eh, you know, it's like stuff like that. I want to sit here and say, you know, it'll give them juice. It'll give them a spark. But I hate to say it. Some of these people, they some of these guys on the team, they weren't they weren't paying attention to South Carolina back then. Not all these guys are from this state. They don't all look at those players the same way, you know. So there's some guys that will be in the building that it didn't matter where you were living, that you just knew who they were. But unfortunately, a guy like David Clowney, he won't be there. Uh, Marcus Lattimore will be here this week, and actually, Marcus. I believe, fingers crossed, I usually don't like announcing stuff like this until, you know, I get to the actual day. But Marcus told me that he'll hop on the show on uh, Tuesday, the GC Live show at 2 o'clock. So look for Marcus Lattimore to hop on if you guys want to talk to him. Um, I, I don't know if it will give them extra juice. I think it will give the crowd extra juice, though, 
and being able to give this crowd extra anything at this point oh, will yeah. certainly be welcomed because, again, look, we can talk about it from a media standpoint, from a fan standpoint, from anyone outside that building standpoint. If you want to make a bowl game, right, you have to win four games in a row. But what they do this weekend, though, from a confidence standpoint, to me, is critical. If they go out there and they just find a way to get a win, okay, yeah, you got a win. That's nice. You end your losing streak. But if you're not able to go out there and do things on a level that you need them to be done from a consistency standpoint, from a defensive standpoint, trying to actually get a turnover. It's been over a month now. September 30th, second quarter against Tennessee. That's the last time USC's defense forced a takeaway. If you're not able to do those things this weekend and getting some of these monkeys off your back that you've been struggling with the last couple weeks, I don't know how you sit here and feel better about your chances of becoming bowl eligible if you're not able to do that. Because, yeah, again, Jacksonville State, a team that you should beat. Vanderbilt next week, a team that you should beat. But with this team, with how banged up they are at certain positions, I'm not taking anything for granted with this team. So that's why they need to go out there and, again, not just win this weekend, but they need to be crisp in all three phases so that they can have that confidence that they're desperately, desperately looking for and they desperately need to be able to springboard them towards the finish line over these next couple weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking for something similar out of the South Carolina defense. You need takeaways and you need sacks and pressures. You need their quarterback to see a lot of pressure and you need the run game to be shut down. Um, I think if you're South Carolina's defense, you can build off of those things. Pressure is something that you you can take week in, week out, you know, just bring that same energy. Um, and I'm also looking, I mean, we've heard, I mean, Shane said today was a good, good day of practice. I believe he said if they, you know, if you came to practice, you'd think we were playing for the Super Bowl. Um, but they're obviously not. They're trying to, you know, become bowl eligible. But I think, you know, they need to have plays where they can, you know, kind of rally um, and just continue forward momentum. I feel like this defense, you know, hasn't given itself enough plays to kind of, take things forward and rally and continue to build on progress and stops and energy um, going forward. And I mean, this offense needs to do the similar thing at Texas A&M where, you know, I, they, they couldn't generate momentum for the defense to kind of capitalize off of you want a front to back performance from this offense, you know, get a lead early, be able to hold it and continue offensive progression throughout the game. Um, so I don't know. I mean, and you like I said earlier, you want to run run the dang football. Um, if you can't do it against an opponent like Jackson State, and no, they're good. Don't get me wrong, but you should beat this team, and you should be able to run the football all over them. So I'm expecting you know a big day out of Mario Anderson, and then like I said, this defense just needs to play as one unit, play together, get some turnovers, and generate some momentum for themselves going forward. If into you know this game towards the end of this game, and then in these next three weeks. We'll see. We'll see what South Carolina is able to do this weekend. Because, again, Joe, you mentioned it. You mentioned being able to run the football. Uh, I mentioned being able to force a turnover. I mean, my goodness. What has been a very, very, very disappointing year when it comes to forcing takeaways. You know, I look at South Carolina right now from a defensive standpoint. I don't think they have a player that has more than one interception. 
I think the most is uh, one interception. I think there could be a couple players that have one uh, interception. Say one, two, three, four, five, six. Six players that have one interception. That's it. That's it. Um, they need to do some good things as far as being able to capitalize on that. Um, David Green says, Mario, plus 125 this game. That'd be good for you, huh? Be able to get the run game going a little bit, open up the passing lanes, force Jacksonville State to have to come into the box, open up those passing lanes over the top for Spencer. Travis Edwards says, I hope with all the former players in the building, Garnet Truss has a huge weekend. I don't believe it's this weekend, not to get off topic, Travis, but I believe, and there was an awesome, awesome thread. And I want to see if it's still pinned, because I pinned it to the top on Gamecock Central. But there was an awesome thread about the Garnet Trust on Gamecock Central yesterday, and it's actually still up there. It has over 9,000 views. Highly recommend checking it out if you haven't already. But you had you had Jeremy Smith of Garnet Trust. You had also Chris Clark, our colleague of Gamecock Central, on just answering questions and just being brutally honest. And one thing I will say about the Garnet Trust that people don't want to listen necessarily they don't want to hear but it's the truth and i give jeremy credit for saying this question was asked where was it where was it she was talking about being able to retain players let's see one of the questions i think it was from uh orlando cock I'll give credit to the people that asked the questions. Orlando Cox said, do you expect us to have enough money to prevent losing any of our better players and to bring in enough impact portal players as to where we can have a winning season next year? And I give Jeremy credit, didn't sugarcoat it, said this is as of yesterday at 8.23 a.m., not as of today. We will for sure lose some players and we will miss on some as well. We do not have the deep pockets that others do. No one wants to hear the reality sometimes, um, but that's the truth. That's where South Carolina stands. And I I feel like there will be improvements. Jeremy's talking uh, about being able to get some of the former players involved and having some of them back. One of the players he mentioned that he's had conversations with as far as getting them involved more in Garner Trust is Elshon. But no former player, at least over the last five years, I think he said on the forum yesterday answering during that Q&A, no one has given money back as far as the Garnet Trust goes. And I think one of the challenging parts, as he shared, is for those guys, they never played in an era of NIL. And he feels like that will change over time, and that's something that he's really working on. So it's going to be a good opportunity to be able to have him talk with some of those former players, get them more familiar with NIL and to hopefully help South Carolina in an area where they certainly need it because we can sit here and say, Oh yeah, you know, just attack the portal, attack the portal, attack the portal. And we can all be naive and just say, Oh, you know, they just want to come to get a nice education and be part of a program. NIL plays a role with it too. 
for better or for worse, that's just the reality of it. You don't have to agree with it, but that's just the reality of it. If you missed any of our show, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page where you can watch this show in its entirety. Or if you're a podcast listener, head on over to the Gamecock Central Podcast Network where you can listen to this show from the start. Maybe you're a podcast listener on game day. You don't have to necessarily travel anywhere unless you're coming from a different part of the state and you want to watch the game. Pop on this episode and that will be able to get you ready for the game. Or you can listen to Thursday's show. Again, Marcus Lattimore expected to be joining the program at 2 o'clock. Ashley says, regardless of whether they played in the NIL era or not, Gamecock football is still their program. I understand you, Ashley, and I think that's what Jeremy's really going to push for. But I think that has been, and again, I'm not agreeing, but again, just trying to make sense of it. I think that's what Jeremy's saying is that, for some of these guys, because they didn't play in the NIL era, they don't fully understand how it all works quite yet. I know that he's, and I say he, I keep saying he, Jeremy has done a tremendous job of having to wear, honestly, I say multiple hats. He's probably wearing about 20-something hats based on some of the things that I know he's doing directly. But one of those things is being able to get these former players caught up to speed as far as how the whole process works, what their impact can be. I know that from conversations that there could be things where a former player donates specifically to a room, whether that be the wide receiver room, whether that be the offensive line room. There's so many different layers to this, so many different layers. And I think based on the conversations that I've had with the Garnet Trust, I know that Carolina Rise is doing some good things as well, that there's good opportunities to be able to get South Carolina back in the game. But the reality is they had a they had a tough start, right? There were some things that they were trying to do. Uh, Park Ave, they had to put a halt on that because certain rules were changing and they had to make sure that they were following certain uh, protocols. And that put South Carolina behind the eight ball a little bit there and they're doing everything they can to get caught up to speed. But right now, again, um, unfortunately, that's where South Carolina stands. And the truth sometimes hurts, but hopefully it will be a wake-up call to some because, unfortunately, and I was talking to I was talking to a, um, a Gamecock booster yesterday. Unfortunately, it's not as simple as saying, man, you know, this program's not playing well. I'm not going to give money until they start playing well. Well, unfortunately – the only ones that you're really hurting are yourselves in the long run because it's not as simple as not giving the money. And it's, again, there's a lot of gray area with NIL and I can understand why everyone's not necessarily a fan of it. Um, but hopefully over the next year or so, some of the gray will start to vanish and it'll be more black and white and uh, we'll be able to venture through this because certainly we're all still trying to figure out this new era when it comes to NIL. Uh, Lynn says, I give money back to the school because my education got me where I am. Hopefully we can make them feel the same way. And Tommy Lucas says, great show, y'all, as always. He's intern Joe. I'm Mike Yuba. If you're going out tonight or you're bringing the little ones around town or maybe just handing out some candy, regardless, everyone be safe, have fun. Again, we will be back at it on Tuesday for GC Live Talking Tuesdays. Former Gamecock running back Marcus Lattimore expected to join us. We will have that up on the Gamecock Center YouTube page and 
podcast platform as well. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday and enjoy the rest of your week. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.